area of service um, and, and their life as a family, not only um, for provision, but serving the country and those things. If, if you don't know, Gary's been a firefighter for a uh, full-time firefighter for a long time. And so we just appreciate his service in those things. Amen. Hey, if you're a visitor with us this morning, welcome. Let's welcome all our visitors, right? <clears throat> this year at Christmas, it's, it's season. It's a little bit different here, but uh, uh, we're still believing that God is speaking to us and moving in a powerful way. And so I want you, uh, as, as we have just been taking this journey of Advent, we've been referencing the traditional Christmas story, but we've been looking at the scripture uh, in, in, a, in a new way, understanding that the Christmas story isn't limited to Luke chapter 2, and how everything is tied to that. Hello, somebody. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just incredible uh, to see how God connects things in a, in a powerful way. And, and, and I've turned off the news in the last couple of weeks and just went into an intense Bible study time. Uh, hello, somebody. There's a little bit of pastoral advice for you. And uh, soaking myself in Isaiah and uh, especially his statement where when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And King Uzziah was a great king as long as he sought the Lord. And, and, and the kingdom was great. And for 50 years or so, there was a lot of great things that were happening. And all of a sudden, Uzziah is dead. What will become of me? What will happen to me? But the prophet said, in the year I saw what I had put my trust in pass away, that's the year I saw the Lord in a new... Y'all not helping me. And then I shared with Breno in a few of my studies, and I don't know how many times I've taught the book of Matthew, how I've walked through the genealogy of Christ and told people that it's very important, don't skip over it. Guess who's listed on Joseph's side in the genealogy of Christ? King Uzziah. Y'all ain't ready for January. God connects things in ways that we often miss because we don't soak ourselves in what he's doing completely. So this morning, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to go to Luke chapter 7, and, and I want to read you a familiar story, and I want to show you how God is not done with the Christmas story, but how the Christmas story is very important to this particular story. And in Luke chapter 7 today, we're going to talk about how Jesus is stepping in against all odds to deal with shame. Everybody say shame. shame. Luke chapter 7 verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home. He sat down to eat. And when a certain immoral woman. Hello somebody. Not, the Bible is very clear to make sure it points out to you. That she was an immoral woman. When a certain immoral, a certain, not just any, I'm sure there were more than just one. Hello, somebody. But when a certain immoral woman sat down, listen, from that city, heard that Jesus was there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, you ever, you ever talk to yourself? Maybe I'm the only one. He said to himself, he didn't say it out loud. He said to himself in his mind, in his heart, he said to himself, if this man is a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. And Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, I heard what you said. Simon, I heard what you said. I know what you're thinking, boy. Y'all don't read your Bible like me. I'll read it the way it's in here. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, I've heard, I have something to say to you. He said, go ahead, teacher. Jesus told him a story. I like stories. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, and neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both. 
canceling the debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And Simon answered, I suppose the one who canceled the greater debt. That's right. Jesus looks at him and says, that's right. Come on, church. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon. Now he's looking at the woman while he's talking to Simon. Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she's washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of the olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. Come on, somebody. So she's shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows little love. And then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. Men sat at the table among themselves and said, who is this man? You know, the disciples not the only guys who've been. Remember last week? The disciples themselves are like, "Who, who is this man? Who is this man? That he goes around forgiving sin. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Everybody say peace. Father, bless the reading of the word to the hearing of our ear and the receiving of our heart. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right, come on, let's go to work. Y'all ready? You're not ready. The Christmas story to me, as a, as a Bible student, as, as someone who tries to read the Scripture in a way that helps me see, understand what's going on. I, I mean, I want to read it different. I do it on purpose. I, I want to, to grab a different view of something that is there. But if I read the Christmas story, it's, it's a mind-boggling story. Maybe you never thought about it. I mean, you know why you don't think it's a mind-boggling story? Because when you read it to your children, you wrap it up in a cute little package. Oh, there's Jesus. He's in the swaddling clothes. And he's, in a, he's in a manger, a feed trough in the straw. And the light is shining down. And the animals are lowing. And everybody's all at peace. And everything's good. And the angels are saying, oh. You know, like you got... You don't read your Bible like that. You know why the Christmas story is a mind-boggling story to me? Because it's a story of scandal and shame. I mean, you would think that a perfect God who has a perfect plan to redeem his people would have his son arrive to save the world in some very glorious and dynamic situation. I mean, that's what you would think. Because that only makes sense. He's the king of kings, the lord of lords. He's the prince of peace. He, he, he's a bright morning star. He, he is Emmanuel. I mean, just Jesus. This Jesus, right? He is everything. And he, he's the son of, of God Almighty, the prince. He's, a prince should be born in a castle. Farm animals are born in a barn. But my question to us all is, when we think about the birth of Jesus, where else should a lamb be born? I'm going to try and behave. I got some friends here today. I don't want to scare them all. That's not the way to heaven. A teenage girl who is engaged to a man becomes pregnant with a baby that's not his. Scandal! At a minimum, she should be put away. According to the law, she should be stoned publicly. Nobody would have a problem with either. Because that's the way it was allowed to be handled. 
Nobody would have, a, even her parents would not have had a problem. They would have hurt and wept, but they would not have, that was the law. That's the way it's done. It's a scandal. Joseph himself is wrestling with God over this. And his wrestling is so powerful. God has to come and speak to him in dreams. It's the talk of the town. Shame on them. They're living out a story nobody signs up for. You don't sign up for this story. This is the way the New Testament opens up. Hello, somebody. The New Testament opens up with a scandal. The biggest scandal that ever is. A scandal, one of shame. One that robs you of identity. One that labels you for life. Shame that can't be rubbed off. Shame that can't be washed away. Shame that can't be forgotten. Shame that can never be ignored. Hello, someone. That's the way the New Testament opens. It's mind-boggling, but it's beautiful. Shame blows our mind, but the beauty we see is because God himself is willing to come and step into our world, church. Listen to me. The Christmas story of all stories tells us that there is nothing too messy. There is nothing too dirty. There is nothing too hopeless. There is nothing too shameful that God Almighty himself is not willing to step into. I need you to know something today. God's not scared of your dirt. He's not scared of your stink. He's not scared of your shame. That's the way the New Testament opens up. You thought, you thought, you thought you had shame. You thought you had some dirt. You thought you had some mess. You thought you had some stink. You thought you had some stuff. Come on, somebody. And I, and I want you to understand this morning that not just he, God's not just willing to step into this, but he's willing to take his hands and put it into the middle of it and redeem it for his glory and for his honor. That's what my God's willing to do. What if we told our children the Christmas story that way? Come on, it's time to open presents. Let's get around the tree and open up Luke chapter 2. Isn't it beautiful? It's so beautiful. Look at the baby. It's so big. He's wrapped in his wildlife clothes. Keep him. Can you hear the laugh that in the back? And just so you know, just so you know, Jesus ain't done. Come on, somebody. We meet a woman. And not just any woman, but a woman the Bible calls a certain woman. That means she would have been known by a lot of folk. The scandal. The scandal hasn't stopped. She's a sinner. And not just any sinner, but a dirty lowlife sinner. She's a prostitute. She has on her a label of disgust. She has on her a label of dirtiness. She has on her a label that's dirtier than sinner. She has on her something she can't overcome. It's a label that's been given to her because of what's happened to her. And it specifically gives her identity. She's a certain woman of a moral lifestyle. That's her identity. She's a certain woman of an... It's, uh, her identity is so prominent that the Bible takes time to point it out to you. It's so prominent in her life. The Bible might tell you the names of a lot of Bible character, but this part of who she is is so prominent that it's bigger than even her name. She's not known by her name. She's known as that woman, that one. It's 
It's what shame does to us. I'm preaching to somebody today, and that's all right. That's what shame does to us. It defines us. That's what shame does to us. It labels us. It labels us less than. Come on, church. It, it defines you of not worthy. It, it, it comes in and eventually what happens is because the label is so strong and the label is so powerful that shame puts on you, eventually you don't see yourself as the one who does dirty things. You see yourself as the dirty thing. Why? Because no matter what you've done, you can't overcome it. No matter what you've done, you can't get away from it. No matter what you've done, you can't rub it off. No matter what you've done, you can't escape it. It seems to haunt you and travel with you. It seems to look back at you in the mirror when you look at yourself. You can't avoid it. You can't get away from it. It is that big that it defines who you are. Shame takes the dirty thing that happened to you and tells you you are dirty because of what's happened to you. Some of you ladies in this room, young or old, you, something great, a great violation has happened to you in your life at some point, and, and you've had to live with shame. No one knows it. No one could understand it. And if people knew, some of you men in this room are the same way, we just deal with it differently. Covered up with pride or arrogance, anger. Today in this room, there are people that shame has tattooed itself onto your soul. And you are marked for life. And no matter how much you rub and how much you wash, it will come on. You don't feel worthy of the love and respect and dignity of life. And, and this is what we call shame. This is that sense that I'm a bad person. I'm marked for life. I'm flawed and therefore I'm unworthy. Let me just tell you something. Let's just own it today here as we embrace each other during Christmas. The human experience is full of shame. And let me just give you PD's kind of definitions of how this works. This is the way I think. The gap between who you hope to be and who you have become, that's shame. The gap between where you hoped to be and where you find yourself today, that's shame. Do you know what fills the gap between expectation and reality? Shame. And this morning, many of us in this place, many of us who are listening, whatever's happening right now, right here, no matter where you're at, you're not standing with confidence of the God who says who you are. Instead, you're standing in the label of what has happened to you. And shame is something we all have to deal with. Christian or non-Christian alike, doesn't matter. We all experience those moments or those times or those things where we believe that we are something other than what God has said we are. That is you, you're dealing with shame. Maybe you didn't even know what it was. You just couldn't put your finger on it. I don't know what I'm dealing with. I don't know how to describe to you what's going on in my soul. I don't know how to express to you what I feel. Amen. And how I live and what's going on in my life. I can't express it to you. I don't know what's going on in my mind. And this morning, that aha moment, the Holy Ghost just hits you right now. And you're like, yes, that's it. That's it. That's what I've been dealing with. What do we do with this shame? Let me tell you what we normally do with it. We hide it with addictions. Because it makes us numb. We tuck it away through being a workaholic. 
You know what I did? We projected on others. Some people are just angry. And no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, those people who you look to for help and who have to confront some things in your life about non-truths, then you hide your shame by being angry with them. You know what you, know what you do with shame? You compare yourself to those around you who are worse off than you are so you don't have to feel bad about you know that we minimize it. We minimize, we, sometimes we go through life, we minimize it. It's not really that big a deal. You better listen to this preacher good this morning. This might be the last time you ever hear me say anything. And if it is, this is a good thing for you to remember. Whatever you do in your own strength will never uproot the destruction that shame will bring. So we need something or someone outside of who we are to come in and go deeper and and redefine that thing that has brought definition to us. We need somebody. That's the Christmas story that against all odds, he stepped into our shame to redefine who we are. Come on, church. That's the Christmas story. It's right there in the New Testament. God himself stepping into shame, stepping into scandal. He doesn't care how messy it is. He doesn't care what the world thinks about it. He didn't ask the world for their definition. He didn't ask for their permission. He just said, this is what I'm doing. Remember what Jesus said to Simon? I got something to say. In your shame, in your guilt... There's a lot of people who got stuff to say. This ain't in my notes, so y'all hold on. There's a lot of people, amen, who got something to say, amen. There's a lot of you shouldn't have, you could have. Maybe this wouldn't have if you'd only, hello, somebody. And then there's a devil, amen, who steps into your life and he condemns you and brings condemnation because of that thing that you've been walking in in shame. But I got news for you this Christmas, against all odds, Jesus has showed up to speak to your life and this morning he's saying hey I got something to say Jesus got something to say Simon I I got something to say I know what you've been thinking watch this oh Luke chapter 7 y'all never thought about Christmas when you read it not ever in your whole entire life Watch this, watch this. Jesus has a unique ability to track you down. You can't hide from him. The Bible calls him the hound of heaven. You can't hide. Verse 36 and 37. Jesus knew she would be there. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. And a certain immoral woman of the city heard that he was there. And she, he knew she would be there. Now, I love this because Jesus, you got to think 3D when you think about Jesus. He steps into Simon's home. And his intent is to deal with Simon too. He's going to peel back the layers of religion in Simon's life in such a way that Simon can actually see that God wants to step into his life too. And Simon's been using religion to hide his own shame. Are there any Simons in here today? You've been using religion to hide your shame. Mm. But Jesus, 
He's stepping into Simon's house because she was there. She, he knew, right? And, and I just need you to understand something. I need you to grab a hold of it today. Because when I, I, I've just, listen, Jesus, gonna, Jesus will go through some stuff to get to you. He will. He'll go through some stuff. Jesus didn't care about that food. He didn't care about that party. He didn't care about that dinner invitation. He just got to get through that stuff. Uh, amen. To get where he needs to get, right? You think there are too many scandals in your life for Jesus to find you. You think there's too much mess in your life for Jesus to get to you. You think that wall that you built is so big that Jesus can't even get there. You think that those things you've been blocking and putting up, uh, amen, it's too big. Listen, I'm telling you what, uh, my Jesus will find you and he'll go through some stuff to get there. He's not scared. He's not scared of your dirt. He loves you enough to track you down. The story of Christmas is the story of the gospel that in your scandal is where he comes looking for you. Oh. How many times have I talked to people and say, just come to church. Just, just come on to church. Just come to worship with us. Just come to, oh, I, I got to get my life right before I come to church. Oh, preacher, if I walk in that building, the roof will fall down. Listen, I've been here almost 18 years. Ain't fall down yet. <laughs> and if I can't knock it down, if my mess ain't put, you, you all right. I got to get my life right. No, 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 no. See, you, you think it's all about you then. You think that one day you're just going to get up and go find Jesus. You just think, oh, I found Jesus. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You didn't even get up and go look. The Bible says you can't even come to him unless he calls you. I need you to understand that in your scandal, in your mess, in your dirt, when you thought nobody wanted you and everybody was rejecting you, that's when Jesus comes. That's when Jesus is seeking. He's coming looking for you. You didn't find him. He found you. Don't sing that song in here no more. I found, talking about I found you. You didn't find him. He found you. That's what Jesus does. You came here today looking all cute and comfortable. Trying to hide your shame. But you didn't know Jesus got here a little early. Because he knew you was going to be... But I set you up. Jesus has stepped in. And he refuses to let you live any longer. Convinced that shame is your identity. That's not your story. He's fully aware of this woman's sin. And yet there he is. He knows where she's been. He knows what she's been through. He knows your story. He knows who you've been. He knows what you've been through. He knows what you're struggling with right now. He knows how you feel like it's all over and nothing can help. Yet still, here he comes. It's Christmas, y'all. I ain't done. I ain't done. I ain't done. Watch some more. Jesus does the unthinkable. He touches her. I think the most beautiful thing about Jesus' humanity is it lets him be what I love to call the touching king. Right now, do you... Do you think that if you were in the same room with the President of the United States, you could touch him? Somebody would jack you up. I'm just, <laughs> you right now. If, if I've been to England and, and London and those particular things, the Queen, we've been there to see uh, uh, Westminster and, and uh, the, the Red Buckingham Palace and those type of things. There's a fence. There's a fence. And they're guards, armed guards, and funny little hats. 
stand there for eight hours a day looking at one spot. Why? Because you can't touch the king or the queen. You can't get close to her. Negative. I don't know if they got any bullets in them guns, but they did have knives on them. So the least they could do is stick you real good if you try to get close. You're not getting in there to touch her. Can't touch her. Jesus is the touching king. The king is touching people. The king ought not touch. And not only does he touch, but he invites you to touch him. He allowed a disgraced prostitute to touch him. And then he praised her for understanding that he is approachable. In forgiving her sin, he took away her deepest shame. You see, that's what shame does. It makes you feel like you aren't worthy of a loving touch. Who's going to want me? Who's going to... Come on, church. I remember shortly into our marriage, my wife got incredibly sick and, and uh, we didn't know what was going on. And, um, you know, for uh, it's almost, I don't know, it's a long time now. Can't count. Close to 29 years now. Right away, she got incredibly sick and, and uh, finally the diagnosis of rheumatoid arthritis uh, came and uh, the doctor gave us a huge report. It was not good. It wasn't the report of the Lord. Hello, somebody. And the doctor said to her, as a 24-year woman, go home. Prepare yourself because by the time you're 40, you're going to be in a wheelchair. You see, that wasn't God's report. I'm going to tell her in a little bit because she's a beautiful 53-year-old woman. She, y'all seen a wheelchair? Come on. Hey, come on. You see, I got news for Caden. Like, we can hear the doctor's reports. But I'm going to keep believing God's report. My wife looked at me after that diagnosis and she, she looked at me literally and she said, why would you even want me? What man would want a woman who's going to be crippled? Shame. I'm sure y'all not listen to me. Shame. And we all experience it differently. We all experience it in, in a way that's unique and personal. Come on, church. Jesus praises this woman for understanding he's approachable. And in forgiving her, he takes away the thing that identifies her. See, that's what shame does. It makes you feel like you aren't worthy. Like you're not worthy of that loving touch. You don't deserve it. You, what you deserve is rejection. But Jesus has come to speak to you today. To step into your life today. And touch you where others have rejected you. Yes, he has. That's what he's doing against all odds. Jesus, this Christmas is stepping into your life personally to tell you that where others have rejected you, I am here to embrace you. What are you living with today that makes you believe you're rejected? Are you here today because as a young person, maybe a parent violated you or abandoned you. Maybe you didn't have a mom or a dad. And all your life you've used the shame of that vacuum. To allow you to believe that you can't be worthy. Because someone didn't want you. Who else? Come on somebody. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in here this, per in, in this morning and you're dealing with something. I remember as a young man becoming, getting saved and understand. I didn't, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do any drugs, I didn't do those type of things. But I was incredibly addicted to pornography and the shame of that. 
No one, come on, somebody. And it was heavy. And you know my story. Being delivered out of those things. But I knew that if everyone knew that, that thing, they would reject me. Especially my wife. Maybe, maybe, maybe you lost your job. Or maybe it's difficult for you to keep a job. Maybe you can't make the kind of money you think your family deserves. And you struggle with provision. And maybe you're divorced in here today. And for some reason, somehow, I don't care about the details. You, you have experienced the brokenness of marriage. And maybe you're a young person here and your parents have split. And, and you've dealt with that. Now, I don't know who to love or how to trust. Or who am I supposed to be? Um, whose side am I supposed to be? I don't know what to do do it or, or maybe maybe it's 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 an addiction yourself maybe maybe it's it's you, you're struggling in your marriage right now can I be a part of, of 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 so much so many marriage sermon series and still struggle with my marriage how come this is not working maybe that's shame it's shame we could go on maybe you've got a sickness and a disease maybe it's violated you maybe you had hopes and dreams in the future and something happened that changed those things and now all of a sudden that shame is here what what are what are you living with today that makes you believe you are rejected I need you to know you need to hear this little preacher this morning that Jesus is here and against all odds he is stepping in to touch you today to embrace you today not to reject you but to grab you wholeheartedly it's the loving touch of God, the God of the universe, born as a baby, living as a man who has the power to touch and redefine our lives. Think about the power to touch this woman. Think about touching this woman. Think about the power of touch in her life. The only time people touch her is for their gratification. The only time people touch her is to use her. To abuse her. They don't care about her. They only touch her for themselves. They don't touch her for love and embrace and warmth and security. They don't touch her out of, out of those particular things. Think about the power of touch to this woman. Her value and her identity are all wrapped up in someone else's gratification. And when they're satisfied, they don't have any more need for her. Touch robbed her of dignity. Touch always made her feel used. And when she touched others... Legally, ceremonially, according to the law of God, it made them unclean. Every time someone touched her, it robbed her of her dignity. And every time she touched someone else, it made them unclean. Y'all not, you've never read that? You... But against all odds, who could have planned it? This day was different. I need you to understand, I believe this Christmas is different. I believe 2020 is different. We, we all living in 2020, thinking about the 2019 and thinking, man, I just wish it was that way again. Listen, I need you to understand something. I'm going to talk about it in January. God's not interested in resurrecting old things. He's got some new things to birth. He's got some new things to birth. Sometimes what you've been trusting and putting all your faith in for strength, God has to actually remove so that you'll see him like, y'all not helping me. Turn the news off and read your Bible. Tear it up. Tear it up. It'll change your life. The Bible says, let the water of the word renew your mind. Let your mind be renewed by the washing of the water of the word. I'm just going to tell you, garbage in, garbage out. You can take a trash can and put trash in it. That's when it becomes a trash can. But you can take a trash can 
Come on, somebody. And put some Yoda's donuts inside. And you're talking about the Lamb's Supper then. Garbage in, garbage I'm telling you. No politician come to save you. The only reason they want to touch you is for their own grace. I'm sorry, Lord, that wasn't in there. Against all odds, here he is. For the first time in her adult life, this touch was different. His touch added instead of taking away. And when she touched him, he didn't shrink back. Now you know why she's weeping. Now you know why she's crying. First time in her life that someone has touched her and that it robbed her. The first time in her life that she's touched someone else and they haven't pulled away from her. Now you know why she's weeping. Now you know why she's crying. She can't help herself. I've never experienced this before. This touch is redefining. This touch is challenging my shame. By letting her touch him, Jesus was saying, I'm okay with identifying with you. And she can't help. She's crying. She's weeping. Shame had convinced her that God didn't want to identify with her. Jesus was born to give dignity, not take it away. Oh, I don't know how to preach to you this morning. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how. Whatever it is right now, whatever it is right now, right now, in this room, right where you sit, you in a hot seat. You, I'm telling you, whatever it is right has laid, whatever's labeled you, Jesus is here this morning to redefine it. He's labeled whatever has brought you down, whatever has trapped you and chained you, whatever shackles you've been wearing because of change. I guarantee you, there's a Jesus here this morning that, against all odds, is stepping in to break those chains and set you free and redefine your life. I, I, I'm not done. I need to take it a little further. Jesus seems so casual at this table. But what he does casually at this table, comprehensively he does on the cross. By identifying with her, he's actually taking it from her. 2 Corinthians says he became sin. That he who knew no sin became sin so that he that knew sin could become the righteousness of God. You can't, you can't just paint Jesus black with sin. That's not what happened, church. That's not what happened. He became sin. That's why God the Father had to turn his back on him. That's why on the cross, Jesus cries out, Lama, Lama, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? For the first time in all, in all of eternity, Jesus is experiencing an absence of God. Him and God, remember in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and God was it all been together they'd never been apart and Jesus becomes sin and because he becomes sin in that instant in that moment God turns his back on him Micah Psalms 22 you should read your Bible it's right there Jesus is dying and quoting the word of God my God my God why hast thou forsaken me he became sin so that he who knew no sin. Come on, some y'all don't. Y'all not. See, John, 1 John 3 says he came to take away sin. Not to cover it up. Not to just whitewash it. See, Jesus is stepping in and he's taking it on himself. He took the loneliness. He took the shame. He took the rejection. So that you and I could experience freedom. Yeah. Now you know why she's weeping. I don't know how to do it. I don't She's experienced what she could never have experienced. Against all odds. How did this happen? How could this be taking place? He is here. And so let me blow your mind. Let me give you a little nugget. Let me just. He's here. What do I do? He's here. What do I do? 
I can't imagine he's, he's here. I heard he's here. What do I, what do I do? I can't just show up. What do I do? I can't just show up. What do I do? I got to do something. I got to do something. You know what she did? She remembered the Christmas story. There were three men. There were some magi. There were some pagan sorcerers. Who saw a star in the sky. And for a few years they followed this star. And, and, and to find Jesus. And, and here he is in front of me. He's, he's right here in front. I didn't have to spend. He's here. What do I do? What did they do? They brought gifts. They brought gifts. And so in following those three men. Who went before her some 30 years before. She brings a gift that cost her everything. You can't just read your Bible. You have to read your Bible. She's following the example of the wise man. She brings a box. And it cost her everything. And just like those men years before, she worshipped him. She's weeping. And she's worshipping Because she knows who she is. And she knows he knows who she is. And what she has discovered is he didn't care. He didn't reject her. It's Christmas. I got to stop reading my Bible like this. She's on the floor. She's crying. The Bible says weeping. Not just crying. I mean, it's not. And she's weeping. Wailing. It's, it cannot be ignored. And her tears, there's so many tears, is, is falling on his feet. And, and she does what is undignified, period, for a woman of that age to let their hair down in public. She does that. It's undignified in that culture to do that. And she begins to rub his feet with her hair. Not caring that whatever was on his feet was going to be on her. And she didn't care because he was worth it. He's here. That's not enough. She begins to kiss his feet. What All of that was costly. It cost perfume. It cost tears. It cost the humiliation of cleaning his feet with her hair and kissing his feet while everybody in the room is watching. You got to understand that dinner just not carry on like normal. It stopped. This whole thing has come to a crash and everybody is watching what's taking place here. And she didn't care because he's worth it. He's here. Against all odds. My shame. Let me show you one more thing. Simon. They're all brother. You know them. You know those people. Wait, if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her touch him. If he was truly a prophet, he would know she's a prostitute. She's dirty. She's going to make him dirty. What's he doing? Watch Jesus show off. Watch Jesus show off. Watch him show off. Verse 40. Simon, I hear you, boy. I know what you said. I got something to say. And he tells Simon a story. About forgiveness. I don't have time to read your Bible to you. And what Jesus basically says at the end of the story about forgiveness. Is it boils down to the fact Simon. You saw this woman as an annoyance. But what she's doing you should have been doing all along. She should be your inspiration. She understands the value of forgiveness, and you should too. I got something to say, Simon. I got something to say. Shame has defined you as much as it's defined her. And I have come here not only for her today, but I've come here for you too. And we know, we know that Simon, he too converted. 
You've covered it up differently than she's covered it up. Simon, you've covered it up with religion. You've covered it up with behavior. But I'm here to tell you today. I'm here to step in today. Against all odds, I have showed up in your house for you too. And you know what Jesus says? Watch this. Watch this. Verse 15. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has made you whole. Y'all ready for Christmas? Go in peace. Peace on earth and goodwill towards men. This is the story of Christmas. That all of us have been given a gift that we don't believe we deserve. And that God, against all odd, has stepped in. He stepped in. I got to do this for Breno, for all my young disciples who are learning to preach. Full circle. Not only with one sermon, but the whole series. Come on. Jesus is stepping in to our grief, to our fear, to our shame. Because he is convinced that we can have peace. And this morning in this place, you came here all cute and comfortable on the outside. But Jesus knows what you're struggling with on the inside. And let me tell you something, church. He's got something to say. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Stand with me. Whatever, whatever it is that has defined you and caused you to live in shame, hear the words of Jesus this Christmas. Your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Come on, how many of you want peace? I, I need to, I, some of y'all. There's no greater Christmas gift than peace. Come on, many of us maybe have a, a secret desire for a Christmas gift that we, we really want, we hope. This year I asked my wife for a really expensive premium Bible. It's expensive. And I thought, man, that's a lot of money to spend on the Bible. But see, it's something I use every day. And I'm really tired of every two years I have a worn out Bible and transfer notes. This Bible, right, is expensive. But you know what? I thought about it. There's a whole bunch of us in here that spend four, five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars on a TV. Don't nobody complain. I want, I want a Bible costs a couple hundred dollars. Why do I feel shame about it? Now I don't know if you got it from me or not. It don't matter if you did or didn't. But see, all of us have something. But here's what Jesus is coming to do. More than any of that, his gift to us is peace. And right where you are right now, whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, his gift to you is peace. And if you walk out of here today and you don't give it, it's because you left it. No one in this room is going to judge you. And I just want to take a minute and invite you, if you want to come and receive what Jesus has to say, if you are tired of shame, saying stuff that ain't true you are more than welcome to come are we going to worship the Lord for a minute and give us a moment to posture don't let this Christmas go without receiving the best gift that God can give you and that is the peace from grief the peace from fear and the peace from shame don't walk out of this room this morning thinking that those Advent stories are only story for other people but they're not for me listen they're all our story
so I want to invite you. If you want to come, someone will come and pray with you. Spend a moment with the Lord. If you want to stand where you're at and lift your hands to the Lord and celebrate His goodness. This is our last Sunday before Christmas. And I know some of y'all like to open presents before Christmas. I do. I'm giving you permission this morning to open the gift of peace. I'm giving you permission this morning to open the gift of peace. Father, we receive this word. I don't care what the chains are, what the shackles are, the addiction, the struggle, the wrestling, the shame, whatever is defined and whatever it's said, whatever it's done to us, God, whatever it's caused us to believe that you have rejected us or that you will shrink away from us because of that. I thank you this morning, God, that we have discovered that you are a touching king, that you want to touch and be touched by us, God, that you're not scared of our dirt, that no matter what we're going through, family troubles, struggles, marriage issues, addictions and burdens, financial struggles, health problems, the destruction of dreams of what we thought would be that now could never happen Lord you have come to touch us and to restore what only you can do to give us better than what we could ever imagine to make us an honor for your glory God we receive it in Jesus name we receive it in Jesus name just come if you want to just come if you want to the rest of us let's just worship for a minute let's just worship for a minute I won't forget Come on, church. The Come on, step out where you're at. Brought. Step out where you're at. Deliverance me exodus of my heart. Come on, brother. Come you on. found me. You freed me. Held back the waters for my release. Oh, Yahweh. You're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory. Hallelujah. Oh! 
out on this opportunity. Don't miss out on this opportunity to meet your king. He's a new He's right here. God. He's right here. He's a yes, he is. If your burden, if your shackle, God can set you free. sermon series besides Easter to preach and the staff the eldership team we, we spent weeks and a long time just digging into this so we hear God together because we believe that Jesus has come to say something and I want you to receive all of that and I hope that these Christmas messages won't be just something you endured be something that makes Christmas so much different than you. You can have everything God desires for you to have. Jesus is not scared of your mess. I hope this Christmas is new and it is breath restoring for you. And I don't know where you're at, where fear or grief or shame may have crept into your life. But I need you to understand that as a church and as a people of God, we need, we need each other more than we've ever needed each other. And grace is an amazing thing until we have to give it away. That's exactly what God wants us to do with it. And so I'm going to encourage you that as you have conversations and as God is setting us up for 2021 to reveal himself in a new and fresh way, that we remember that he do, he's doing this today because of what he's doing tomorrow. And your struggles, Jesus is present. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Against all odds, he has come to step in. Father, today, thank you. We now know why she's weeping. 
her weeping wasn't for sorrow of the shame she had experienced her whole life. Her weeping was for the joy that you embraced her. Today, Lord, we weep with her. And we say thank you for peace at Christmas. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said, I'm going to do one more thing before you leave. Remember Thursday, if you can. I think it's Thursday. Christmas Eve. 6 p.m. We're going to be here. We'll try to start promptly on time so we can get you out and you can do family stuff. We're going to light the Christ candle. And we're going to move through the traditional Christmas hymns to walk us to Christmas, the birth of Christ. And it's a powerful time, and we invite you to come and be a part of that. I also would like to just honor someone who I think has done an incredible job uh, with a very difficult thing without a lot of um, instruction. We just said, here's what we feel the Lord are, is doing. Just use your gift. Uh, and I would, I would like for us all to just honor Lynette for her ability to share the story. Somebody should write a book. Against all odds. Bless you. Why don't you turn around and tell someone, against all odds, he stepped in. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Bless somebody. Merry Christmas.